Hey guys, it is Jason, your host of Whatsoever is True. We're going to jump right into this. I know there has been a long gap between, you know, the last time I did this and today, but we're just going to ignore all that and, and pretend it didn't happen, right? Pretend it didn't happen and jump right into the Bible study that I'm teaching at church on 1 Timothy chapter 3, where we're talking about the, the church getting elders and deacons and Let's go back and cover the, the, big, the big picture behind it and why that we should be paying attention to this today. A few things in note. First, Paul is not in Ephesus. Timothy is. Timothy is pastoring a church there in Ephesus. Ephesus has lots of problems. Just like, you know, today we have lots of problems. And those problems may differ in, in particulars here and there and some, some of the specifics. But the types and the categories of these are the same. And that's what, what we mean when we say that the Bible is a set of principles, divine principles given to us that we can apply to our daily lives and to our, and to our current situations so that we're not left without instruction. And this is something that very much impacted me as a young man. You know, you feel like you're kind of adrift and you're trying to figure out life as you go along. Well, what we want to do is understand the principles of Scripture, the categories, and apply them to what's going on so we can we can see the world aright and that's the a key to any bible study is not to be thinking of what what does the text what do i think of the text but what does god think of the text right that's the point but that's america is drowning the american church is drowning in this very selfish and self-centered viewpoint of of christianity you know that's why you hear people say well i'm spiritual but i'm not religious uh, yeah, well, if by that they mean they don't want to be held to God's doctrine, then they're being unbiblical. Because Paul tells Timothy that sound doctrine is a key to fighting off false teachings. And that's really what these, these letters are, is to build Timothy up so that he's, his church is capable, this is God's church, is, 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 is nourished and prepared to confront the lives of the enemy. And the lies of the enemy are coming from false teachers from within the church. So the, the thing that protects us from that is sound doctrine. So with that said, we then get into in, in the point we're at now and how we mutually agreed not to discuss the long absence I've had, got, getting so busy, I apologize, is uh, we're in chapter 3 in the choosing of, of elders and deacons. The point with this is, of course, uh, picking it up, he says, it's a trustworthy statement that if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. Now, the word used here would, would, is kind of a, a, a catch-all. You have bishop, right? You have a, an elder, a pastor. You have all of these things coming in in, in one word. The Bible, and I don't want to get into the, to church structure necessarily in church governance. What I do want to get into is that God calls men to lead his church. And We've got to take this very carefully. We have to look at this and, 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 and go, what does God mean by this? Why, why would this be the issue? With all of us, uh, the unsound doctrine out there, why would Paul, in the Holy Spirit, be writing to Timothy to say, okay, here, you need elders and deacons. This isn't a, an option. You need them. You need leaders. Now, <clears throat> to understand any part of Scripture, we want to put the rest of Scripture on top of a, a passage. We don't want to take a, a passage or a line out and look at it in isolation. That's, that's an easy way to fall into heresy. So in this case, we get, we get some qualifications. An overseer 
then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. Now, again, the types and categories. This is a person who is living an honorable life, and he's not you know, awash in sexual sin. There, there, there are no affairs. There's no uh, sexual impropriety that would show a lack of self-control that would disqualify someone from, from leadership in God's church. That he's temperate. In other words, temperate, meaning he can control his temper. It doesn't mean that he, he's, not, he's not fervent for the truth. It just means that he's not losing his, his, his cool and screaming and swearing and so forth. He's not known as a man with a terrible temper. Um, he's, he's prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious. You know, these, these, are, these are things that should go without saying, but think about this. We're already presuming sound doctrine, and now we're talking about the character qualities of the man. And, and this, is, this is God's word to us. God doesn't give us suggestions. He doesn't give us advice. He gives us commandments. He's saying that, picking up where Proverbs was, that you can't just take any person off the street and put them in a position of leadership. They must be tested. Now, we're saved by grace and faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. And character does matter. So if you've got somebody who's, again, given over to sexual sin, or he's, he's very temperamental, you know, he he's, he's just flies off the handle, and he can't be trusted to keep his cool. He's, uh, he's, he's not respectable. In other words, meaning he, he's constantly getting into controversies. And, and not, not that controversy doesn't come to him, but he's constantly starting things, that kind of thing. That's pugnacious. And, and yeah, he's, he's, he gets drunk. I'm not saying that he's, he doesn't drink. That's, that's, not, that's not in this passage. A, a respectable elder, pastor, teacher can be someone who has a beer or a glass of wine and enjoys, enjoys it. What he's not doing is he's not getting drunk, okay? He's gentle. He's peaceable, free from the love of money. This is going to come back up again because one way to spot false teachers is, again, in their lack of self-control. They have not been, they have not been disciplined in the Lord in their life in which the, the particular sins that they have, and each one of us has, you know, certain, certain things that set us off more than others, certain things I might struggle with that someone else doesn't. But we're all going to struggle with something, and we all need to be men of discipline. And so if they're greedy, if they're lustful, if they're prideful, if they're arrogant and pugnacious, those are clear signs, and that these things are not, um, and that Scripture is not saying here that those things aren't present, because we're sinners, sin's present in us, but they're not dominant, Okay. So he must be one who manages his household well and keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God, right? <clears throat> In other words, this is a person that can be trusted with authority. He's not abusive and he, he leads well. And <clears throat> this is the type of person you're looking for within a church. Not just anybody is fit to be an elder and, a, a, and later on we're moving to deacon. This is, this is an important aspect of why the church has been, well, uh, let's just, let's, let, me, let me just spit it out. One of the reasons why the church, especially in the COVID and woke era, has been so ineffective, if not downright uh, apostate and heretical, is because it just, it, it's, it's put people with low character into positions of, positions of leadership. All right, so this is the point we need to, we need to remember that is, is extremely important to the Lord. This is the point that's extremely important to the Lord. So, with this, 
I want to say I want to say something very important is that notice what the economy or the logic of, of God's word is here. All right. He's saying that this person's ability to handle sin in their own life, think about this, is the determining quality for their ability to be an elder, again, pastor in God's church. So if this person is not a disciplined Christian, almost like an athlete, we'll get that reference later in this book, then he shouldn't be a leader. Because, and there's a connection here, this isn't arbitrary. It's because lack of self-control is indicative that sin is still dominant in the flesh. So the flesh is still dominant in this person, and that will generally lead at some point. If it's not, as Spurgeon had said, if we don't slay sin, sin will slay us. And so <clears throat> we slay sin through the Holy Spirit and, and application of the Word and, and, and grace and, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the wonderful ordinary means of grace in our lives, of prayer, scripture reading, fellowship, and, and the sacraments. But getting on with that is that if we don't engage in that battle with the flesh and the world and the devil, we're going we're gonna to then lead into, this will lead us into heresy and unsound doctrine. There is a direct connection between the two. <clears throat> so picking that up, we pick up, he won't be conceited, uh, don't get a new convert, that's, that's going to lead them into pride. I mean, that's what the devil, that's what caused the devil to fall, pride. Uh, just because somebody is new, and, and they're fervent, and maybe they have great communication skills, or they're charismatic. We see this all over the place in the a lot of the Pentecostal movement. Is that we look for we look for pastors who are charismatic rather than teaching sound doctrine. Like John MacArthur is a great example of a man that it, he he's a fantastic preacher because he's faithful to the word. But is is he as a, a effective a communicator as some of the other folks out there? that are teaching unsound doctrine. I, I would say I would say no in terms of the way the world looks at it. He's not a great entertainer. He is a great passer. And that's the key. Uh, uh, pastor John MacArthur has been a very, very strong, as R.C. Sproul was, or you know, individuals like that, they're not there to please the crowd. They're there to please the Lord. And, and that's why they, they were effective and are effective, in MacArthur's case, uh, effective pastors. Okay, so... If they're a new convert, that's oftentimes if they're put in positions of leadership because they have some type of, like Saul, they have outward appearances of leadership, but they haven't been tested. Their character has found wanting. And Saul is a classic example of that in the Old Testament. And uh, so he must have a good reputation with those outside the church that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, so again, he <clears throat> he's honorable. Uh, you know, he, you don't, you don't have issues where, you know, this, there, there's been a consistent track record of success wherever he goes. Okay. So before we hit deacons, I just wanted to say this to wrap this one up today. The elders in the new Testament church are very much like If you look at Romans 15, I think it's verse four, that all of the things are written for our sake. Those things from in the old Testament are written so that you can go and look at your life and say, man, okay, there's something in Psalms here that's, that's, that's going to speak to me. Or there's, there's lessons from, from the life of, of, of Samuel, or lessons from the life of uh, uh, Sarah, or, you know, we can go on and on with this. Or, you know, of course, David, or Elijah, or, or, or Joshua. There's always going to be a lesson that, that's going to teach us about Lord Jesus Christ and our place 
in the kingdom of God and his church. So the elders today are not called to be administrators of the church necessarily. I think there's a disconnect here between the, uh, the, the deacons who are fundamentally, if we see them in the book of Acts, that they're making sure that the, the nuts and bolts of the daily operations of the church are being taken care of so that the elders and teaching pastors and so forth are capable of prayer, uh, pre preparation of ser uh, sermons and so forth. They're, that's what they're involved with. So these guys are the sheepdogs, if you will, and we've lost that. They should be confronting the world and confronting error. Now, they're going to do it with, with faithfulness, they're going to do it with gentleness, but they're going to do it. And I think what we've seen in the last couple of years, especially in light of COVID and especially in light of, of, of the woke movement, transgenderism, homosexuality, and so forth, we've had, we've had pastors afraid to make the world mad at them. Now, <clears throat> I'll go back, give you an example of how we can look at the Old Testament and see this as a relation to our day and today. Now, when Egypt, when the Israelites were brought out of Egypt by the Lord, with Moses as somewhat their elder, their type, their leader here, they're not a nation that understands what freedom is. They have no clue how to be their own people. The great wealth and slavery do almost the same thing to people. And you see this in childhood. It's irresponsibility. It is whining the minute something gets hard. Little children do it, and people who are either enslaved, and we see that in Israel, in, the, in, in their trek towards the promised land, and we see it in people who have great wealth. In other words, nothing's been demanded of them. Christ calls us, we, we are saved by grace, but then we are, are brought forward into Christ-likeness to be, to be growing and to be bearing fruit. And that's going to require some pruning, and that's not always comfortable. And so we see that, so if we want to get an idea, let's take a look at, at Exodus 14, is that the Lord, the Lord has, of course, hit the, the Egyptians and Pharaoh with a massive thunder and lightning show of the plagues, and the firstborn are, 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 <clears throat> are killed. And each judgment that was executed on Israel, or on Egypt rather, were telegraphed. Right? <clears throat> they were warned. They were warned. They were warned. They were warned. They did it anyway. And each one of them was specifically calibrated to hit one of the idols and, and, and the ju judge Egypt and Pharaoh for their sin. The Lord does not roll dice. He's going to judge specifically and personally. Now, you'd think that's kind of smart. So you'd think that, that the Pharaoh and the Egyptians would be sitting there after, after the Israelites go. And they go, you know, okay, this is all over. This is what a catastrophe this was. But no, they see what looks like a vacillating or lost Israel, or Israelite nation with 600,000 men that used to be slaves for them. And now they've lost their slave labor force. They see them in what looks like weakness and, 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 and confusion. And they go, you know what? We can go back after them. So, so Pharaoh goes back after them. And uh, so verse 10 of, of chapter 14 says, So the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Now they're coming out with chariots, and, and, uh, and they're a great war machine. Israel, again, having just come out of slavery, probably doesn't have any organized fighting force. They don't know what to do, and they start to panic. And so they feared greatly, we're told. And so the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now that's verse 10. Verse 11, they said to Moses, they cried out to the Lord and they went to talk to his representative in Moses. Now think about how that connects to elders. 
elders and pastors are representing they're, they're, they're representing the Lord through the church. This can be abused, and we've got to be careful with this. That's why we have so much care of the character of the men that, that fill these positions. So, it is. look what they say to him. They say to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What a thing to say. After everything they saw, what an affront, right? I don't know about you guys. Maybe you've said something to the Lord. Maybe in your heart you've harbored some resentment because he brought you into a place that you weren't expecting. You're saved and you're thinking, this is fantastic. And then all of a sudden, he puts you in a scenario that was frightening or he puts you in a scenario that, that just doesn't make any sense to you. Well, God is God, right? He's not He's not a tame God. He, he doesn't do things from humanistic categories. His goal is our righteousness and our faithfulness and our righteousness through faith. And he will test us and prune us and, and, and cut away sin from us to bring us to spiritual maturity. So, so this is what happens. And they say, what, what have you done to bring us out of Egypt? It, 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 right? They, they remind Moses at that point, that we, didn't we tell you to leave us alone when this whole thing started? But would it have been better for us to serve the Egyptians and die in the wilderness? Maybe when you're struggling with sin, you think, man, it was easier back then. It was easier when I was drinking. It was easier when I was, you know, addicted to this or that or the other thing. That thought will probably occur to you. Well, the answer for the elders must be as what happens here. So Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So the Lord said to Moses, uh, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, there's a bunch of things that are fascinating here. This is what the elders are called to do, the, the pastors and so forth. When, when the people panic, remind the people of the promises of the Lord. Remind the people of the promises of the Lord, and then tell them to be faithful. Because no, notice what the Lord does. He says, listen, this isn't the time for prayer. This, you do what you're supposed to do. Don't, don't sit there in fearfulness and, and you know the plan. So there's a lot of applications of this. For example, you know, in a marriage, I have people come there have marital problems. And I said, you know what you're supposed to do. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. Have you prayed with your wife? Have you prayed for your wife? Be faithful to your wife. Uh, this is a great example, if, you, if we can put it in a nutshell, is to say, stop whining. You know, I never, I, this is what I promise you. You're going to the promised land, and in this case, we're going to the kingdom of heaven. We can't fathom what that's like. We're having a problem. We know these promises, but we, we don't see it with our own eyes. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And the Lord will remind us of that sometimes. He'll say, man up. <laughs> when COVID hit, people panic, shut the church down. And, and I was one of those voices, and I'm going to brag in the Lord. I'm going to boast in the Lord. The Scripture doesn't tell me that the civil magistrate can order the churches to close. So I, I had said that immediately. Yeah, that's not going <clears> to, <throat> that shouldn't fly. If the churches want to amend something for, for safety until they can figure this out, that's what they should do. But, but the civil magistrate can't tell the church it can't worship. And once you open that door, I guarantee you that they're not going to let that one go. And sure enough, that's what happened. You know, some churches were closed for years. And, uh, and so on and so forth. So be faithful. Be faithful. And the elders are the leaders, and they need to be faithful. They need to be lions 
and, and they need they need to be strong in the Lord and in, in a particular way of reminding the people of the truth of God not that they are going to try to mollify the crowd we see Aaron do that later in chapter 32 when Moses is up the mountain and they fall into rank idolatry and in Aaron's case when Moses comes down the mountain and he sees what's going on they're dancing around the golden calf they've fallen into idolatry they're doing exactly what they were told not to do and what does Aaron say to Moses he says basically well you know how these guys are <laughs> they're kind of a pain they're always whining elders cannot give in to whining they must that's why their character must be tested they're gonna have controversy you know I hear stuff a lot where as, as a leader of a small business in a martial arts school is something comes up and and, and weak-minded people as soon as struggle hits as soon as uh, somebody complains I've heard the people say I've heard weak leaders tell me well you know everybody's got a problem with it who's everybody we got one we got one person complaining about something and you just took that and blew it all out of proportion you cannot panic when stress when stress hits if that is you well then you don't be an elder don't be a pastor be a deacon or something else I mean, I'm serious. This is this is one of the issues with the church. We need elders and pastors that are going to stand for the word of the Lord, and they will not let go. And that is why they've got a pattern in their background of defeating sin in their personal life, and they don't wilt under pressure. They don't panic. They don't fall into self-pity, right? As what does the Lord say? What do you cry to me? You know, right? You're going to go to the Lord in prayer and say, you know, Lord, uh, you know, my this, my wife. My wife has been mean to me, or something like that. Well, you know, you know the answer. You can you can go to him in prayer with this. He cares about you. Cast your concerns upon him. Yeah, but there are so many things that are so obvious. Be faithful, right? Be faithful, and and don't be self-destructive. What Israel did here was an abomination, accusing the Lord of bringing them out there to die and abandon them. Uh, the fact that he has that much grace and patience is amazing, and it should comfort us. But we're going to remember the rest of the story is that is if you don't grow, you could be in, in a, the type and the category here of one of those people who doesn't get to the promised land because you get cut down in a wilderness because you were a false convert. Now, this is hard language. I understand that. But that's the, 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 the continuity between the Old and New Testaments. There is not a, an, a, an, a kind of a, a grumpy young dad. On the, old, on the left side of Scripture, and on the right side of Scripture, you have more of a grandfatherly Santa Claus kind of God who's really happy with everybody, and he's sort of grown grown up, and now he's not nearly as crabby. That is not what's happening. The scariest words in all Scripture are God is holy, holy, holy. And the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven. All right, The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel of Christ that only, only Jesus Christ, only his perfect obedience imputed to us through faith alone makes us right with God not anything we do so there you go with that today I uh, we'll pick back up later and again I am terribly sorry for the long delay and hopefully this is helpful hopefully it's edifying and uh, we give glory to God and and I know some of these things are hard to hear and this is a day and age of, of, of rather emasculated churches and I'm not going to apologize for saying you know the elders are clearly to be men the pastors are to be men that's what the scripture says and uh, he's not He's not, uh, again, giving advice, giving suggestions, and, and the Lord is the same today, tomorrow, and always. And, and that's what we need to understand. And so elders and pastors and, and church leaders need to be strong in that 
and not be more worried about the crowd. You know, we don't want to be sitting there like Aaron going, you know how these people are, right? If you can't handle the pressure, then uh, don't take that position. There's another position for you, and that's deacons who, yeah, they're serving the Lord. I'm not saying they're lesser people. I'm simply saying that they are people who are not going to be necessarily having to confront the crowd, right? When the, when the crowd gets mad and says, you brought us out here to die. I mean, that's a tough situation. Let's not, let's not mince words. Let's not, let's not be uh, evasive on that. That's tough. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of heat and, and not a lot of people are fit for that. That's fine. So that's where elders come in. That's where, that's why Paul's telling Timothy what he's telling him. <clears throat> and we need to remember that this is important. God gives us leaders for that purpose and we should pray for our leaders and we should be thankful for them. We should be so thankful for faithful leaders in the church and faithful elders. And then, and also, we learn not to be nitpickers and weasels in the faith like the Israelites are here. Okay, and a lot of church, a lot of church problems being brought to to elders and deacons and pastors, and some of the nitpicking is just it's unconscionable. You know, that's that's very weak faith. <clears throat> And uh, we should we should remember that and learn from it. Okay, <clears throat> yeah, sorry for that, and uh, sorry for for rocking my throat. And I'll catch you guys next time.